The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I'm glad you could join me for the conversation today. And especially if you have kids, this episode might resonate with you because I'm sure that if you've got young kids, you've probably put them in a timeout at some point or another. So you might want to reframe that. And in the next time you're thinking of putting the kid in a timeout, you might want to think about a time in. So the reason I'm bringing this up is that my guest today suggests putting a time in instead of a timeout, helping kids connect to their inner guidance and know that they're enough just as they are in any given moment. I mean, this whole thing sounds great to me. So my guest today is Julie Deanne. She's a life transformation consultant and author of the children's book, What Would You Choose? A Guide for Children to Recognize the Innate Power that Lies Within Us All, Connecting Us to Our Higher Being. And time-ins were definitely something that I was never taught as a kid, so I was interested in exploring this further. So thanks for joining me today, Julie. It is my pleasure to be here. And thank you for having me, Diane. Well, you're joining me from Virginia. And this morning before we talked, I watched your TED Talk on uh, YouTube. And the talk is the number one, number one tool every school needs to teach and every child needs to know. And I thought it was really informative and really powerful. And my mother was a teacher and my sister is currently an administrator with about 30 years of experience in the school system. So she's been in the classroom. She's a assistant principal now, actually ready to retire. It seems funny to think my, my little sister's going to retire. Lucky her, not me. I'll be probably working until the grave. But anyway, um, I know a lot of the challenges that teachers face. And to be able to give kids this tool of meditation, which is what you describe in your TED Talk, I think would be so transformative and you know, life-changing for kids today. So I just wanted to find out first a little bit about your introduction to the benefits of meditation. Thank you, Diane. I, I would like to start off with a quote, which I do um, use in my TEDx talk, and that is this from the Dalai Lama. If every child in the world would be taught meditation, we would eliminate violence from the world within one generation. And I think that is so powerful. And for my for myself, I never really knew about meditation growing up. That was something that I didn't find out about until I was in adulthood. And even then, it's something that takes time and practice. And it wasn't something that I started doing consistently until several years ago. And it was when I started meditating every morning and every night that, no kidding, just within a few weeks, I really started to feel the difference. And the thought just popped into my head. This is amazing. Why don't they teach this in schools? If I had been taught this as a child, what a huge difference it would have made just helping me to feel more grounded and more confident and just to make better choices throughout the day. And 
I am a parent and, and there are several incidents that had happened during my daughter's years in elementary school. There's a few key ones, which I do go into in my TEDx talk, but all of those together sort of coalesced into this idea that if kids started out every morning, say in their morning circle time, then they would get these life skills that would benefit them throughout their entire lives. They would learn things like intentional movement, how to control their breathing, which is very powerful to calm down the body. And when you calm down the body, you're able to observe your thoughts. You're able to think more clearly. It opens up your, your viewpoint, your awareness of different options that might be better. Whereas, you know, when you're feeling frustrated and upset and overwhelmed, like a lot of kids do when they're feeling overwhelmed by emotion, your focus narrows because you start to get into that fight or flight mode. And it's just really difficult to think clearly. But see, the, the beauty of it is, though, if kids are doing this every morning, guess who else is doing it? The teachers. The teachers are also doing this. And so even if they've never meditated before, if they start this practice now, it will become their practice as well. And so you get an overall calmer, more effective learning environment in the classroom. And it's it's helpful for teachers and the students. Well, you're preaching to the choir here because I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I mean, I think that it would be so beneficial. And it just, as I was thinking about talking with you today about this subject, I was just thinking of the difference between when I was going to school, you know, in the 70s and 80s mm -hmm. and what's happening now in classrooms and the kind of pressure and stress that kids are dealing with. I never once thought in my whole school career that someone would walk into the classroom with a gun. It just never mm -hmm. occurred to me, never came into my thought process at all. And unfortunately, in the time that we're living in now, where so many states have just, uh, you know, the attitude of, well, we're all going to walk around with guns. You don't have to have a permit. You can be anybody and have a gun. It's no big deal that now after the school shootings from Columbine on all up until today, into the present mm -hmm. time, you know, this is a real fear that kids have. And I wish that kids going into the classroom now, I mean, even instead of the Pledge of Allegiance or any of that, there should be, you know, 10 minutes of meditation beforehand. I mean, you're, but I think what's happening is just, you're going to run into so much resistance where if you went to schools and said, I think we should have meditation in schools, parents would push back. Oh, you're pushing your agenda. It's a religious thing. It's something like that. How can people hear your message that this is something that's non-denominational that has nothing to do with any of that dogma that is just beneficial for everybody because I see where you would get that kind of pushback. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that you asked this question because I had the same questions myself. I even considered not even using the term meditation, right? So a couple of things here. A lot of schools are recognizing the importance of what is called mindfulness and some people say mindfulness meditation is simply taking five or 10 minutes to be in silence, right? And that's great. My uh, concern is that, yes, you're sitting in silence, but without knowing what to do in that silence, right? So are you, the mind is gonna race, your, your thoughts are gonna start coming. And if the kids aren't learning 
how to con- literally how to start choosing better thoughts, right? That's why I wrote the book, choose which would you choose? How to choose their thoughts better, which essentially is how to control your thoughts, right? Because when you control or when you choose your thoughts, your thoughts are what produce the feelings in your body. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this. And those feelings, you get to choose again how you label those feelings. And when you label them, they become an emotion. And those emotions, it's energy in motion. It's literally, it's put, it's what propels you to take action. And when you take action, we know that produces your results and your reality. So if you want to change your reality, you have to start by changing how you're thinking. And so when I say, instead of a timeout, which is just isolating a kid for bad behavior, and they don't know what to do. They usually just get resentful. They get sad. They get, they don't know what to do, right? Well, a time in, you know, uh, positive parenting coach, uh, Amy McCready talked about that. Um, that's when the teacher or parent goes with the child to talk through, you know, potential solutions to go over what's going on. And that's great. And that that is needed. What I'm proposing is to take it a step further and to start guiding the child into learning how to do a time within, a time within on their own. So this would be, you'd start out with the time in where you talk about ways of looking at the situation differently and choosing better thoughts. But because they would be meditating in the morning, which is essentially starting with some movement to get the energy flowing, then learning to control your breathing, to slow down the heart rate, some deep, slow belly breaths, right? Starting from the belly, breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth slowly, that calms the body. And then sitting quietly, but not just in silence, actually listening to listening to some positive affirmative statements, some affirmations like, I am enough. I am significant. I am absolutely lovable just as I am. And you can continue down that route, picking positive statements that you are literally planting those seeds in your mind. So instead of whatever self-talk has been going on that you've picked up since birth, right? Or from the people around you, you start choosing how you want to treat yourself and the thoughts that you want to focus on, because we all know energy flows wherever your focus goes, or basically whatever is going on in your head, that's what you're attracting to you. And so you have to start choosing and you have to learn that you can, you can choose better thoughts. I think that's the important thing is you do get to choose. And that's why I wrote the children's book to teach kids how this works. Because if they can learn how to read this feedback loop, how the thoughts and the feelings form that feedback loop so they can change their thoughts, then they've got the golden key that is a skill set for life where they can start choosing better thoughts to create better results in their lives for the rest of their lives. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Right. I agree. And also the benefits of 
if it was in the classroom and they were able to have, you know, a short guided thing every morning with other kids, with other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, even I experienced this over my own meditation journey and it is a practice because you, you fall off the wagon, you know, (laughs) all all (laughs) of us have have had that, that are trying to meditate have had that experience. Mm -hmm. And I've just noticed that I remember when I first started to meditate and this was when I was working for a company called Hay House and we would get together after work, you know, in the conference room and we would do like a little meditation session. So when we first started doing it, I thought, oh, you know, this is weird to be sitting in silence mm-hmm. with total strangers, you know, then <laughs> as time went on, I grew to crave it because the yes. energy that was created and, you know, all of us together, it really did make a difference. So I think there is something to be said for that, to have the kids you know, practicing together and also introducing to them the idea that you can choose your thoughts. You can choose to act on something. And and even today, I I have to stop myself sometimes from acting on something, sending that email or reacting in a certain way. Uh, Of course, you know, as an adult, you have more of that wherewithal, but being able to instill that in kids would be just like, you know, life-changing, game-changing. Mm-hmm. And I do want to talk about the book because it is so cute. And uh, the book is, um, which would you choose? And so this is a guide uh, for kids to really recognize that they do have the choice. So the little animal that is on the cover is a sloth, right? Why did you decide to go with a sloth? <laughs> yes, it is a sloth. Um, you know, uh, this is an interesting when you when you're an author and you're trying to appeal to the widest audience. I did a couple of things with this book, and by the way, I did use my daughter heavily, which is why I call her my co-editor in the book because she was reading the scenarios, giving feedback, um, helping me pick the names. So, so one of the things is the reason the sloth is important is because it does look. It's a it's an animal character. It's androgynous, or it could be unisex, male or female. Plus, um, all the names that I chose in the book are also unisex. They could go male or female because I'm trying to appeal to the widest audience and cut down on any barriers of ethnicity, race, gender, et cetera, any of that. The sloth in particular is a very popular character these days with kids. It just happens to be. And it's also very serene, which I think had a piece of it. But to be honest, um, that particular sloth character I had used my daughter has this huge stuffed animal he's about if you stand him up he's about three feet tall as a sloth and he's just adorable we call him biggie and so i sent a picture of that sloth to my illustrator tomorrow who's an um just wonderful illustrator and i said could you design a sloth kind of based on this character and that's what she came up with and i just love it and and all the kids so far have just loved it so we're very pleased it is very cute And it's funny with that particular animal. I mean, it does fit with a meditation theme. Now, now Mm -hmm. that I think about it, um, I have a a friend that I used to work with who has since retired and moved to Panama. And I guess that's where slots are a lot of them. So she sends videos and you see them kind of crossing the street really slowly. So they're, (laughs) they're really interesting animals and kind of in a perpetual state of meditation. um, Really, when you think about it. Um, so you've got this character in various situations and did your daughter help um, in feedback with some of these situations where the kids can choose? Like, for example, uh, the first one where the character 
um, of Jordan is going to choose something that he's scared, he or she, I guess you're right, it's androgynous, is scared to try, uh, which is rock climbing. So what did your daughter say about that when you presented the the scenario, you know, the problem? Yeah, it, it's funny. Rock climbing was not the first activity that I picked for that scenario. To be honest, right now, I don't remember what, but I remember asking her, I said, you know, how you want to try something new? What's something you wanted to try, but you were scared? And then we tossed around a couple ideas. And I think, um, I'm not quite sure how, but anyway, just in talking about it, going back and forth, she she said, yeah, rock climbing is fine. She's never done that. And it does scare her a little bit. So that was a, that was a good one. Um, I will say, though, she did read all of the scenarios and give feedback, but there's one in particular that is totally something that happened with her. It was totally taken from a story that she told me. And that one is called, uh, which one? It was the swim one. Um, the flip around. I think I titled it that. So I had taught her this uh, mindset. It's like a pattern interrupt technique where when your thoughts start going down a, a negative spiral and you start hearing that negative self-talk and, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. You just literally say, stop. I choose not that. And then I choose and you replace it with something. And I always like to say, I choose love, joy, freedom. But in any incident or instance, you could say, if it's, uh, you're afraid that the, the other kids, you know, don't like you, you say, stop. I choose, I choose that everybody loves me. Everybody respects me. Everybody appreciates me. I always make friends easily. You know, you just turn it around sit completely on its head. So then the incident in the pool happened it's almost word for word. Like, like I describe it in the book where she's in the pool one day, she's waiting for a friend. She starts doing flips. She's getting water up her nose. Um, she decides to, you know, she had taught herself like one direction, but she was trying to do the opposite direction and she was having trouble. And she started going down that negative self-talk, like, what is wrong with you? How come you can't get this? And then she literally said, no, I can do this. I know. And, and within just a few tries, she got it. And then her friend showed up and they had a great day. And, and when she came home that day and told me the story, I was just overwhelmed with joy. I was like, yes, it works. <laughs> it works. And how old is she? Oh my gosh. Well, now she's 12, but at the time she was like eight or nine. Wow. So that's that great. great. But that's a perfect <laughs> example of where even in that, in that little scenario, you know, she recognized that she had the choice to choose, you know, this, this thought or action or, or this one and yes. being able to instill that it's, it's such an early age is really a gift. So she's very lucky that you're her mom <laughs> and you can, you know, give her <laughs> these tools, but I can see with the book that you're trying to share this with, with other kids, you know, and other moms and people that may have never thought to incorporate some of these things, you know, or even to develop a, a meditation practice. So I think the more that we talk about it, the more that we share these, um, you know, kinds of tools and, and things that are really working and, and to keep all this other stuff out of it, you know, any kind of dogma or attachment to any, any kind of, you know, I hate to say religion, cause I don't want to, you know, disparage anybody's beliefs, but I mean, just in that, here's something that works that doesn't have to be attached to any, any outside thing. Absolutely. And that's the thing. You can call it whatever you want. You could call it 10 minutes of prayer, right. 10 minutes of 
connection or just, but as long as you're just focusing on your breathing and you're focusing on just kind of being aware of your thoughts, but not getting carried away by them. And just, again, bringing yourself to the present moment, being aware of your body, where you are, that you're safe, that everything is good. All of life is okay. You're Again, like you said, it be, it is a practice and it takes repetition and time, but honestly, in as little as five minutes a day, every day, if you do this, preferably twice a day, but you'll begin to start seeing changes, differences, a calmer uh, overall uh, background happiness. You know, the, this feeling inside that everything is calm. There's an analogy that um, I like to bring up, uh, Mary Morrissey from the Brave Thinking Institute. I'm a certified dream builder coach, and she brings up this a lot, which I love. She says, you know, there could be a, a storm on the ocean, right? Or the ocean can be calm, but deep down, regardless, it's always what? It's always calm down below the surface, even if there's a raging storm. And, and that's how it is for us in our environment surroundings. If we just take the time to disconnect from the outside just for a few minutes and reconnect inside, and then once we're connected to that inner calm, then go back out and approach the world from this place of calm, connected guidance, and feeling assured that everything is going to be okay, what a different way we'll choose to respond in the world instead of reacting out of fear. Right. I like that analogy of the the raging storm on the you know surface and then the calm underneath. Mm-hmm. That, that's a great visual. And speaking of connecting to our our calm, our, our inner self. I mean, what do you think are the challenges of trying to present this to kids that are just connected to their phones or computers, their games, Facebook? You know, how do you compete against all of that to say, okay, we're going to have some calm with no stimulation for, you know, Mm -hmm. let's try five minutes to start? This actually is one of the reasons why I propose that it be done in schools, for a number of reasons, but it's great that parents are doing it at home. And if they start the kids young enough, then yeah, they're grow- they're brought up that way. So it should be much easier to keep the practice going. But for kids who, you know, this is the first time, um, I think parents are going to have a possibly more difficult time getting it through. But again, it, you know, we all make our, uh, make our choices and and can present options, right? So you say, hey, you did this with me for five minutes, then you get an extra 10 minutes on your iPad or, you know, hey, we're going to do this every morning, just five minutes to start with. And then in the afternoon, you're going to have an extra, you know, time to talk to your friends or on the whatever it is that they like, right? The games. Um, I think there's an easy, fairly easy way that the parents could do that. But in schools, you know, they can't have their phones and iPads anyway. So they're there to learn. And when the teacher's teaching it and it's a group effort, all the kids are doing it, they're much more likely to say, okay, I'm going to try this out. Everybody else is doing it. I mean, and I understand we, we don't want to necessarily push group think, but in this instance, this is something that's teaching them a life skill that they can do on their own and they can actually choose as they get older, whether or not to to continue it or to change it or to explore it more, which is the, the hope that they would learn to explore more types because there's there's an infinite number of possibilities. You can create your own type of meditation. Right. I, I can't even begin to go into it, but you know, there's so many options out there that 
the point that I'm trying to make is that kids need to be at least introduced to this and to be given the opportunity to continue to practice it long enough to where they can feel the difference and then make that choice later on whether or not to continue it for the rest of their lives or not. But at least as they get older, let's just say they do drop it in their teenage years because, you know, kids rebel. Later on, when they're at that really sticky point or that rock bottom, they might just remember, you know, maybe I should give that old meditation thing a try again. <laughs> right. And wouldn't that be beautiful? Instead of turning to something addictive or something disruptive or dangerous, right? Other types of behaviors to disconnect. You know, we all know what those are, drugs and all kinds of things out there, right? Maybe if they knew how this felt and they'd experienced it once or a few times as a kid, they would go back to that. And that's, right. that's my hope. I hope so too. I mean, I like that this conversation is gaining momentum and increasing, you know, people are becoming more open to it. I mean, I know meditation has been around forever, you know, yeah. thousands of years really, but to reintroduce it in, in this setting in the modern world, I mean, if we could time travel and maybe look ahead, you know, a couple of generations and see the difference, right. If, if we could look and see how people were handling things so much better by being able to incorporate some of these things. And maybe it's just a marketing thing. Maybe we just change, the, you know, call it mindfulness or something like that. That's not as charged as what some people might think meditation is. But uh, I remember a conversation I had with um, an author. He's actually a Congressman, Tim Ryan from Ohio. Mm -hmm. And he unfortunately lost his race um, recently, which is a shame, but he wrote a book called Mindful Nation, and he incorporated Ooh. a lot of amazing research and, and some of the research like you shared in, in your TEDx talk about the effects of meditation, you know, especially with kids. And he said that he does it in uh, Congress, you know, when he's working and he'll try to get Ooh. some of his other representatives to maybe meditate for a few minutes. I don't know how successful he really is, but I thought, <laughs> wow, this is so cool. If people in Congress were actually taking time to meditate for a few minutes oh. before each session, you know, yeah. maybe things would actually get done, you know, just a thought. I don't know. <laughs> Something <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely explore. Um, but I like that, you know, his book was out a, a few years ago. I like that you're talking about it, you know, and focusing it on kids and bringing it into the classroom. I mean, what's your success rate been uh, has the book, the book is out now, but I mean, have you had some successes with, with this, with introducing these oh, ideas? Yeah. The, the book has been wonderfully received. I'm so thrilled. It just reached, I just saw today, it reached the bestseller category in three categories on Amazon. So I'm thrilled. Yay. It hasn't even been out a week and I haven't even launched it publicly. I'm just launching it to like some close friends and, you know, Facebook groups and uh, yeah, so that's phenomenal. But um, the, the program, the the routine and everything that I've created for um, teaching this, what I like to call it a time within, because I think that's a way that parents and teachers, everybody can get on board with this, right? So instead of telling kids to go on timeout or come at a time in, we move from, you know, years ago, corporal punishment, right? Which we know is not effective and it's no longer in practice to now we could get to where kids say, teacher, or excuse me, I need to go over to the quiet spot. I'm going to take my time within whenever they need to, right? They're feeling overwhelmed or they're 
engaged in some sort of interaction with another kid and things are getting heated and they don't want to do or say something that's going to get out of hand. So they just say, excuse me, they walk over to their time within space. It's just a little, little space, a little corner in the room, right? They just stare at the wall. They just do their breathing and they just repeat in their minds or out loud, you know, I am safe. I am enough. Everything is always working out for me. I can do anything, you know, whatever it is that, that gets them back centered and anchored to their calm just takes a couple minutes even. And the more they do it, the easier it gets. And then they turn around and they re-engage in the classroom and then they can go tell the teacher, Hey, this is happening. And I, I'm not happy here. Or they can talk to the other kid themselves. I mean, I just, I, maybe people say, I don't know if that'll work, but I, I firmly, I can see it. I believe it. I just know that I have this picture in my mind of all these children all over the world every morning, just their calm, serene, smiling little faces in meditation. And when they need it, they just raise their hands and they say, can I take my time within? And there they go. Well, it's a beautiful thought. Be a beautiful it really <laughs> is. <laughs> and hopefully in the future, that's what we'll see. That's what we'll experience. I mean, I think it would be a much more loving, accepting, and beautiful world if we can move in that direction. So I like where you're going. Now I'm going to have all of the links uh, to the book and to get in touch with you in the show notes here of the podcast. And how can people get in touch with you? You're also uh, a life transformation coach for adults when you're not writing children's yes. books. So you <laughs> help the big kids too, um, you know, maybe make better life choices and things like that. So how can people reach you if they'd like to get in touch? Absolutely. Yes. So my website is juliedeanauthor.com. And it's just all one word, no apostrophe for Deanne. Um, and that will be, like you said, in the, in the chat. But on that author page, I have my pages for my coaching and also the Magical Me Mornings, which is the morning meditation routine that I developed for kids and teachers and parents. Um, and of course my book and the TEDx talk is also there. So yes, I would love to engage with folks and offer them all the support that I can and do my best to promote, you know, meditation in schools and time within and just helping people learn that they can choose. You can choose your thoughts and you can create your life by choosing better thoughts. Well, I love it. And I love the message and it's juliedeanauthor.com. Is that right? And no yes, apostrophe. You. <laughs> right. And you're also on Facebook. I found you there. And we'll yes. have links to the book. And I really love what you're doing. This is so important to get the word out on the benefits of meditation and how it can help people. And I hope that everybody listening, if you've enjoyed this talk, that you like and share this podcast on all of the podcast platforms. I'm available. I'm out there. And also check out all of the podcasters on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. I'd really appreciate it. And thanks so much for talking to me today, Julie. Thank you so much, Diane. This has been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. 
part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.